Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. On this episode, we talk with self-development addict and an entrepreneur traveling around the world, Edward Sturm. He got his start out of college making viral videos with friends. He's had hundreds of millions of views on these videos, many of which were social experiments and stunts, and subsequently, he's been on television shows like 2020, Good Morning America, and Today. He's become interested in the search engine optimization world. He's since done SEO for Fortune 100 companies and ran the New York City SEO Meetup. In 2019, he began traveling and lived in over 30 countries, spending two years in Ukraine, and that's where he met the co-founders for his newest project, Commit Club. We spoke to him from his current base in Rome, Italy. Enjoy this interview. Joe Domino, how are you? I am doing amazing, actually. I'm feeling really nice. Wonderful. Thanks. How are you? Oh, Enjoy. it's all good. Yeah, the sun's shining here in Kansas City. Kansas City, that's the top. Yeah, I've I've been in yeah. Kansas City before. Where are you from? Where are you at now? Well, I'm from Brooklyn, from Brooklyn, New York originally, um, but I'm actually in Rome. You're in Rome right now. I am. Oh my God! I, you know it's weird. Whoa. My 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 dad was born in Brooklyn, raised in Long Island. He got in the Air Force, got stationed here in Kansas City, fell in love, and here I am. But I got to tell you, Rome is one of the most enchanting places I've ever been on the planet. I went there. I was actually in the back of a, well, that was my second trip to Italy. I was in the back of a water taxi on 9-11. But yeah, Rome wow. is wonderful. Where are you, where are you, where are you at uh, in Rome? Do you know San Lorenzo? Yes. Yeah, that's where I am. Wow. Yeah, I was, uh, I, I stayed by the Vatican uh, when I was there. And, cool. Uh, yeah, man. I mean, I. One night, I was walking around uh, St. Peter's Square, and there was a Vivaldi concert, and it was one of those few times I saw live music where I went in. I had no idea what I was getting into, and there was a operatic singer, which you just don't see in the States, and no. uh, I was so weary from traveling. It was just like, it just blew me away, man. Like, I just yeah. every possible emotion that can come from music, but at the same time, you know, I was walking around trying to get to the Sistine Chapel and you know when you see all of that and I really feel like in Rome there's this um, there's this like feeling that is very ancestral and old and um, yes. and it, it just it just feels good there anyway so well cool man we we, uh, we got a lot of good geography in here before we start yeah 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 so, yeah, I'm so going to the Sistine Chapel tomorrow morning Oh, wonderful, man. Yeah, it was weird. My experience of that was that everybody was hustling so fast to get there, but mm. everything on the way there was amazing, like yeah. unbelievable, you know? So, um, I mean, and you know, it's it's not like people will get in the way because you're just looking up at the ceiling. So, uh, so it, it's like you could actually slow down and take in the sights as you go to the Sistine Chapel. Absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh, yeah, and I, you know, when I was young, I was in my 20s, and I was just motoring through, and I didn't know any better. But um, I, I remember just trying to keep all of my spidey senses up the whole time because I knew there was going to be so much, and I needed to do my best to absorb it all. So Yeah. Um, but what was your experience like in Kansas City? Did you like it here? Um, actually, uh, some guy tried to rob us. <laughs> oh no, that sucks. He he did this um 
what what was it that he did? Uh, it, well, he, he, it was like some intimidation thing. And uh, I was with my friend. We were doing this thing called the Gumball 3000. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of it. If you're like a lover of cars, maybe you've heard of it. Uh, it's, it's like 3,000 miles driven in six days. And it was, uh, they do it all around the world. And this was 2012, and it was running through Kansas City. That was one of the stops. And, um, and so we get into Kansas City. And uh, we're, we're walking to go meet with some people who follow us on YouTube. And this guy stops us, this big guy. And I think he's, he's, like, he's like, yo, listen, like my girl's back in, in the car at the gas station. She's like pregnant and she's dying. She's, oh, like, no. oh, and, and she, we, I need some money for gas. And, I, and, you know, I'm from New York. I've seen a hustle. And I'm like, I'm like, sorry, man. We, and I try to keep walking. But my friend, he's from, he's from like the, the burbs in New Jersey. He's from the suburbs. And he, and he like stayed and was like, talk with the guy. I'm like, and my friend's name is Mike. I'm like, Mike, we got to go. Come on, Mike. And Mike kept talking. And then the guy was like, was like, yo, like, just like, give me, give us like, give me like $10. And I'm like, no, he's like, okay, fine. Just give me like, man, just like, give me a quarter. So then I like, I'm like, fine, I'll give you a quarter. And he's like, no, man, like, I want fucking, he's like, I want real money. And um, he started going crazy, started screaming and shit. And I was just walking away because, like, I, I, don't, I don't care. Like, I'm from New York. I've seen this a million times. But my friend actually gave him, like, 20 bucks because my friend was, was nervous. Um, but, I mean, it was, it was, the people were nice. It was like, whatever. You know, it was just this funny story. Um, and we went to, uh, I think it was Hotel, like, some club in the evening called Hotel. And yeah, I don't know if you've heard of it, um, but it was yeah, it was a good time. The people are nice. So, are you living in Rome, or are you from? Or are you just visiting? No, I've been traveling, um, like working and traveling. I'm doing the whole like digital nomad thing for the last um, three and a half years. So let's start off here first and foremost before we get into what you do for for a living and, and what you're doing with your life. How did COVID treat you? How did you survive that two-year period now that we're coming out of it? How did it change you? Yeah, it was crazy. Um, so prior to COVID, I had been traveling for a year. I left New York City, where I'm from, in April 2019. We had just had like a big win in, in business. And one of my co-founders decided to go see Europe. And I was always the guy who never traveled. I was like, New York City has everyone and everything. Um, why would I leave? And I was almost 30 and I'm like, okay, enough of that. Like, let me actually see what the, the world is like. And so I went to Europe. I thought I'd be gone for three to six months. I was really enjoying myself. So, um, extended it to, to like a year. I was always working while I traveled, but, um, it was just, uh, it was, it, I just liked the way of life in Europe. And um, so fast forward to a year after I left and I actually had a flight home back to New York uh, for literally the same day that I left New York City one year later. And I had that flight home. Everything was ready. I remember buying that flight and being nervous. Oh, I can't believe I'm going back. And then, uh, I, you know, when COVID uh, started like coming up in the world, when people started talking about it, I was living in Western Ukraine in this small city called Lviv, which has become a safe haven during the war. And I was there for, um, I was there for a month and a half. And, 
then um, I remember I was, you know, I was on like a Tinder date, <laughs> I think. And yeah. the girl that I was on, I, the girl that I was on a date with, she's like, have you heard of this, this like flu coming out of China? I'm like, no. She's like, yeah, it's like called like the coronavirus and like, all, like everyone's talking about it. And this was in like, I think this was in early February. And I'm like, okay, I'm like, it's just another news thing. Like, whatever. Like, I'm just like, she's like, no, no, this one's serious. And I'm like, no, it's not. They're never serious. And um, it's just the media. And uh, so then I flew to Kiev um, after Lviv. And I was going to spend, my, my plan was I'd spend a, a month and a half in Kiev. Um, I had already been in Kiev for three months, um, like the summer before. And so I knew I liked it there. So I was going to spend a month and a half in Kiev and then fly out of Kiev and go home, back to New York. And um, the, the flight from Lviv to Kiev, there were like a few people, not many, but a few people wearing masks. And in the airport, there were a few people wearing masks. And I'm like, wow, this is crazy. Like, people are really taking this thing seriously. Wow. Um, and uh, then things just went from zero to 100 so fast. And um, at first, I'm like, okay, like, things are getting serious. Like, I don't know, should I try to change my flight? And then the world decided for me, my flight was canceled. Uh, like all the flights started shutting down. My flight was canceled and I had a decision to make. And I was sitting in Kiev. I had this incredible apartment and all these friends and great life. It's an amazing <clears throat> place. And I was sitting there and I'm like, okay, I'm really comfortable here in Kiev. I have a lot of friends. Um, there's this thing that's like never happened in the world before and everything is shut down. And, uh, should I go and take a cramped, crowded, like long lines, emergency flight back to New York City for lockdowns where I probably won't even see any of my friends who I haven't seen in a year already? Um, or should I just stay in Kiev where I'm super comfortable and I, I already know what's up? And, uh, I will actually, like, it seems now, like, when I describe it like this, it seems really obvious, but at the time it was really tough because. I didn't know how much worse things would get. No one, no one really knew. And um, a, a bunch of my family, they encouraged me to return. Some friends encouraged me to, to return. But my, my wisest friends, they all said, you, you know what? You're really comfortable there. What You should stay there. And I ended up staying in Kiev. And it didn't take two weeks to flatten the curve like everyone predicted. It took two years. And so I thought I would just, you know, extend my stay in Kiev for like a month. And it ended up being a year and a half. And all like all in all, I've lived now in Ukraine for two years. I left only 10 days before the war started. And uh, I fell in love with the country so much because I, I was stuck there during lockdowns. And um, it's I mean, like, oh, yeah, I love that country. And uh so that was my COVID experience. I mean, things were locked down in Kiev for two months. Um, yeah, I would go to the supermarket, get incredible food, make incredible meals. And uh, honestly, like, oh, and I would, I would live in the center of this beautiful European city. God, God like, Kiev is such a beautiful city. People don't even know. Like, honestly, it felt like I look back upon my time in Kiev and it felt like I was in, like, like the lost city of Atlantis or something. Like, if people aren't going to know for a while for years, what Kiev was like before the war. It's like insanely gorgeous, wonderful, everything about it. And 
during lockdowns, I would walk through this gorgeous city in May alone. There was no one on the streets. I lived in Central. There was no one out. And I would go and I would dance in the street. There was no one around me anywhere. I was, you know, zombie apocalypse everywhere. And, um, and I was working on things that I loved with people that I loved cooking. And uh, I, I, I was very fortunate. So that was my COVID experience. Man, the juxtaposition of that story is amazing. I mean, just the idea that you were in the place that is now the focal point of just unbelievable atrocities and the face of that country. And not only that, but Kiev is probably so drastically reduced because of what happened with that botch thing that Russia is trying to pull off. Um, Mm -hmm. How does that weigh on your brain? I mean, obviously... You know, I have some ties personally to knowing, you know, Ukrainian people and, I mean, just what they've done is like the height of evil. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's disgusting what's, what's happened. Um, there's so much propaganda because I also knew a lot of Russians because um, before the war, plenty of Russians and Ukrainians were friends. And um, if you're in Russia, there's just a t- ridiculous amount of propaganda. Um, I talk to people that I know who are in Russia, and they're like, I don't like this word, but it's a dirty word, but they're brainwashed. And uh, a bunch of them realize what's going on. Um, and, and honestly, for speaking their mind about what's going on, like they're thrown into jail or, or sentenced to death. It's crazy. Um, and I mean, Ukraine is, is God, it's like so, man, so hard for all of my Ukrainian friends. Like, um, actually, I think it was like two and a half weeks ago, this park was hit by two parks. Um, in the center of Kiev, they were hit by missiles. And um, both of them were parks I knew well. One of them was this park, Tereshchenko Park, which I went to twice a day for two years. And, and then suddenly there was a crater in it from a freaking missile. And I think actually the Ukrainians, they rebuilt it really fast, which is, is incredible. Um, and then the other one was Volodymyrska Hill, um, which overlooked the Dnieper River, overlooked the left bank of Kiev. Um, one of my favorite places in the world, really, with this thing called the Arch of Friendship, which was supposed to represent a, a symbolism of friendship between Russia and Ukraine made decades ago, I think. And, um, they had this sky bridge, this glass sky bridge that went from one side of the chasm of Volodymyrska Hill to the other side. And uh, that sky bridge was nearly hit with a missile. Um, and the footage was all over the internet. And, uh, you know, I went there probably like twice a week. And then the park that was hit, I was there twice a day for two years. And um, it's strange and it's sad. And whenever I think about the fact that like I'm not going to be able to go back here for a long time, it's it's a very it's a very bizarre thing. It's it's hard for me to accept, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. I. Yeah, I'd imagine so. So let me get a handle on you and what you do. Let, let's take you in front of a group of third graders at an elementary school for a career day, and one of the kids looks up at you and says, "What do you do for a living?" How do you answer that? Oh, I would say, well, you know, at first I was a consultant for Google. 
showing how to how to get your stuff to to display high on Google. You know, I could I, it's called search engine optimization. But if I'm talking to a third grader, that's what that's how I would describe it. Um, and uh, and then the other thing is I have um, uh, I have this health and wellness business. So so I make software that encourages people to improve their lives. Um, and that could be your fitness. That could be what's going on in your brain, your mental health. Um, and that could be your ability to learn if you want to learn new things. And a lot of people do. And uh, I, I do that from my computer anywhere in the world. So let's go back to the beginnings of your life. You know, you obviously have a wanderlust with, with travel. You have a technical aptitude. Uh, talk to me a little bit about how these seeds were sprinkled in you that have grown into who you are today. You know, I actually wouldn't say that I have a wanderlust with travel. I think um, the, I, actually the crux of the issue, I, I really like stability. I love stability. Um, but I want to, I want to live in Europe as opposed to the United States. Like it's just, I, I prefer the lifestyle more. And as an American, you can only spend 90 days out of 180 days in the EU. Um, it's called the Schengen area more specifically, but a lot of people haven't heard that term. And, um, even in Ukraine, uh, you could only spend 90 days out of 180 days. Uh, and things got extended everywhere because of COVID. That's why I was able to stay so long. Um, but I, I, I prefer stability totally. And so I travel a lot because either like I could only get my Airbnb in this one place for like a month and I thought I'd be able to get it for longer because I don't book three months, three months stays in advance. I think it's, it's very risky. You might get to the place and realize you hate it and then you're stuck there for three months. And so, um, no, like I, I'm leaving Rome in a, in a couple of days to go to, to go to Barcelona and I don't want to leave Rome. I'm sad to be leaving Rome. Um, but uh, anyway, so, so I got my start. I graduated college. I was making viral videos and I've had hundreds of millions of views on my videos. I've been on 2020, Good Morning America, The Today Show, international news shows, daytime network talk shows, doing big viral stunts, um, big dramatic stunts in New York City, and that's how I got my start. So talk to me a little bit about, I mean, sometimes we're only as good as the shoulders that we stand on. Who would you consider role models or heroes for you in your life that you've always admired? I love Richard Branson. When I read Losing My Virginity um, so many years ago, that was like one of the first business books that I read, and I said, I want to be this guy. This guy is my hero. He's awesome. Um, yeah, love, love Richard Branson. Um, I like, uh, I think his name is like Jerry Weintraub or something. He, he wrote this book, um, when I stop talking, you'll know I'm dead and he is dead now. And, um, he was the agent for Elvis Presley and for a lot of other people. Um, and I, I really admire him. His autobiography is, is so good. Uh, I, a lot, a lot of, everyone likes Elon Musk, but um, that's too, that's too obvious an answer. I think, I think cooler answers are people like, 
um, like Jerry Weintraub? Um, this is a really good question. And you know what, my friends, I have a bunch of very successful friends who are role models to me, people who are so much smarter than I am. They're role models and mentors. And I'm so grateful to have them in my life. Friends who I've now been friends with for a decade. I'm not friends with many of, with really like anyone that I knew before, um, before 20, with the exception of my neighbors who I grew up with, who are like my best friends. I'm not really friends with anyone from high school. And I haven't really stayed friends with anyone from college. And my best friends came, and these are people who are family to me. And they came in my early 20s. Um, so, yeah. Man, that sounds like the narrative of my life right there. I, I totally 100% understand. So let's take this baton from the previous question further just a little bit more here. And I'm curious, if you could meet anybody alive on the planet right now, who would it be? Who would you love to meet and talk to? Wow. Um, so, so is it an honest conversation? Like that person will tell truths about everything or like, you know, it, would you, it just be like, yeah. I guess it would all depend on the caliber of person. Um, you might get someone that's a politician that can't escape from that, but probably someone like Obama would. But, yeah, let's just say that this person has a lucid day and you can really get to the crux of stuff. So, like, if it's a president, is the president going to tell me global secrets? Or, or is, is the president going to say what the president says to everyone else? It all depends on if they trust you or not. <laughs> well, since they would yeah. just be meeting me for the first time, the answer, I think I, we know the answer. So, so then it would be like a surface level conversation. So who would, I, who would I prefer to have a surface level conversation with in the world? Mm. Well, you could also get lucky too. I mean, there could be a chance that these, they, they, would, they would lay it out for you. You know, actually, I wanted to say Jay-Z, but I think Jay-Z would be very political. I think Jay-Z is too savvy. Uh, hmm. Yeah, go on. I, I would, just real quick, I would tell you one person you probably don't want to get involved with because if they're too honest with you, you could go to jail, and that would probably be Trump. I could go to jail? Possibly. Everybody around him does if, they're, if they get too close. Well, that's who would you talk to? Oh, I would love to talk to Bill Clinton. I, I would. I, I, the reason why I made this question partially is because of that. In fact, at one point, I tried to reach out to him in regards to his prowess um, with jazz. In fact, the American Jazz Museum in Kansas City had a saxophone yeah. he played for a little while. And I really think there's a level. I, I, I saw him live at the Harry S. Truman Museum give a speech, and, and his, his presentation and, and the way he presents is a level of something I've never seen in public speech ever. It's amazing. I uh, funny story about Bill Clinton. My my friends and I were really active in New York City nightlife um, while I was making these viral videos, and uh, there was this um, alumni party. I don't re really remember what college. Probably Bill Clinton's college, but it was on the Upper West Side at some at some like fancy bar and and. Uh, I guess the bouncer had stepped away. <laughs> my, my friend and I, we went in and we're networking and we're mingling and um, there's, there's hors d'oeuvres and we're not supposed to be there and, we, and we, we think it's so funny that we're there. We're not supposed to be there. And Bill Clinton shows up 
And, and this is, was after he was president. This was maybe probably like 10 years ago. And Bill Clinton shows up. We're like, oh! <laughs> and uh, yeah, crazy. And, but, you know, everyone then that Bill Clinton was swamped, of course. Um, but uh, it, was, it was a very intimate party, honestly. Like, if I had something worth talking to him about, I could have talked to him about it. Um, and Bill Clinton would be an interesting person to talk to for sure. Uh, God, this is, uh, this is such a great question. And I want, I'm thinking so hard for, for, oh, actually, okay. I actually know. Cause I thought this today, this, uh, Lex Friedman, I think having a conversation with Lex Friedman would be great. Um, I'm, I'm mostly done with his podcast with Kanye West and I have a thought. I would, I would love to talk to Lex. Les Friedman or Sam Altman? Sam Altman as well. Or Peter Thiel would love. Now my brain, now my brain is, is, flooding, it, my, is flooding itself with answers. It took me a while. I had to open it up. Peter Thiel. Right on. Les Friedman, Sam Altman. Right on. Well, I was just, I was, I've been thinking about Kanye West lately, and I will tell you one story. I, my day job is as an IT technician in a school district, so I, I've been in technology since the late 90s when they would just mm-hmm. grandfather you into it, and one time I went to a book fair, this was last year, and one of the kids was getting a book, and one of them got a Kanye West book and didn't know who he was. And then the kid said, who is this? And he's like, oh, my God, you don't know who Kanye West is? And for a minute there, I thought, what a wonderful world that would be to be that. <laughs> Kanye West gets a lot of hate. I made a TikTok about this. But the thing that, that, we, don't really real, that we don't think about often is, like, his beats, his sounds, got became part of the global zeitgeist so many times. They were used in advertisements, in movies, in TV shows. His sounds, his beats, and I, I very often will listen to a Kanye song, not realizing it's a Kanye Kanye song, but recognize the beat because I've heard it in a million commercials, and then go, "Oh my God, I can't believe this guy made this and this and this and this and this." And I genuinely do like his music. I'm Jewish, so obviously I don't like the things that he says. But I am genuinely a fan of the beats that he makes. And the, I can yeah, respect and, that. Yeah. yeah. I, I can 100% respect that. And I think there's almost a part of me that believes with someone like him that's been in the public eye for so long that's gotten so jaded by just the information overload of the PTSD modern brain I think there's a cliff that he's jumped off of multiple times, and I don't know that there's a necessary bottom, and I don't even know if this is going to be it because we're so redemptive. We, we, we love redemption as society, but I think there's a level of him genuinely with his ideas. If you subtract the music, that's sickening. Um, I mean, I heard yesterday, this is just, and this was when I have to shut it off, and I can't, I, I don't even really want to hear about him anymore. Yesterday, the L.A. Holocaust Museum offered him a tour just so they could kind of, you know, rebuke all of the nonsense that he's spewing lately. And he emphatically refused, and now the Holocaust Museum is getting death threats and getting threatened. That, to me, is a level of depravity that's like Putin's brain. If you get to that point where that's what you do and you feel like you need to bring that kind of sinister action and like a Putin-Trump realm, there's something really wrong with you and you need to subtract yourself from, from if, if anybody, children. And I don't think that they care enough to do it, even him having his own kids. 
And I think that's the thing that's unfortunate. Now, there are, and what they do, that's fine. I mean, in fact, a lot of painters, probably if Van Gogh was alive today, would be, would have been so chewed up by, you know, where he was at because he spent a lot of time in a, you know, insane asylum. But it's still, it's unfortunate that we give these people the pulpit and worship their ideas in a way that brings such harm to others that are innocent. But, um, yeah, anyway, I think I the, I think the issue is, yeah. is, is people can't really think for themselves. Um, and, uh, so they need to follow, they need to follow the ideas of, I mean, look, when I was young, I was influenced very easily too. And, and I thought a lot of easy, I, 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 I thought a lot of dumb things. I, I, I think the issue with Kanye is just over the years, he's had too many people, too many yes men. And when you don't get, when you don't have adversity in your life and you don't get challenged, you, you slip, um, and, uh, you become crazy. And, uh, in fact, I'm in Rome and, you know, like Rome had its share of, of emperors who were surrounded by yes men. And as a result, they made reckless and irresponsible decisions. And, um, I think people need, need adversity to make them stronger and more thoughtful. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And, and life is definitely a, a yin and yang, give and take. And with that in mind, leading to my next question, I didn't mean to get off into a deep dive away from you and your life, but uh, oh, okay. let, me ask, let me ask you this. Let's say tonight you have a dream. You run into a younger version of yourself before you started, you know, getting into either Google or, you know, serious work in your life. And you could give your younger version a piece of advice based on what you've learned, the wisdom that you've gained over the years. What would you tell that young version? I thought about that today, actually, and um, no matter where you are in life, I think if, you, if you're not successful and you want to be successful, and you want to be successful within, let's say, like four years, and re- you, really successful, you just have to stick with one thing for those four years, even when it gets hard, and you really need to, you need to pick a niche, you need to pick a lane and stick with it and stick with it for four years, and um, so I, I, I was in a lot, I was in a lot of popular industries early and I exited them way too soon um, because I didn't know better. I was a young kid exploring what he liked and, and exploring the world. And, um, and actually there are young kids who don't explore as much and they're, they are, they really kill it. I've done okay. I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate that I've done okay, but I know people who've done way better than I have than I have. And their secret is they just stick with things. And so like, for example, I was making viral videos in the early days of YouTube. I didn't realize it was the early days of YouTube at the time because I was, I was a dumb, naive kid. And like, had we stuck with making videos and we just put out a video every day, you know, I don't, I don't need to, that was in 2012. I don't need to explain what would have happened. Um, uh, we, we made the first play to earn game in, in blockchain. Um, and, uh, we didn't put NFTs in it because the price of, of the prices of like cryptocurrency just went way down and we thought blockchain was over. And so we left, um, I, I'm one of the best search engine optimization people in the world. And I had a really good agency with a lot of great clients. And then I left that agency, my own agency that I had started. And I, and I, I shut that down to do blockchain stuff and I've done okay, like here and there, but Sticking with one thing, I think, is like, it's just, if you want to, if you would like to guarantee success for yourself, 
consistency over years, like like two to four years, will do that. It will guarantee success. If you can, like, like if you say, okay, I'm going to put out, I'm putting, right now I started a TikTok because too many people told me that I'm a good speaker and I'm entertaining and I should be on TikTok. So I started TikTok. I started it on Saturday. And now I'm putting out four TikToks a day. I know that if I put out four TikToks a day for the next two years, I will be really, really big. I know it because that's, that is just how life works. That's the results of consistency. And it's too easy to, it's, it's too easy to switch and to, to seek novelty. It's the same, it's the same reason why I, I actually prefer to be in one place at a time. Um, than, than flying around everywhere. Because I think when you're in one place at a time, you have better results in your life. And everyone needs some diversity for sure. But consistency is everything. And so my advice to my younger self or to anybody else who's listening is like, if you just feel like guaranteeing success right now, pick something, like stick with it religiously and do it every day for the next, for the next two years at least, and you'll start seeing incredible results. That's great. Yeah, and, that, and that's one of the reasons why I love talking to cats like you. It's that there's, there is that, uh, that, that wisdom and that efficiency right there that seems simple, but it's just totally true. It totally comes through. I'm curious, and i got a couple more questions for you, and, and one of them is this. You know, most humans will never feel what it's like to go viral. You know, and I've always wondered that. You know, there's always these weird little videos that will go viral, like the Harlem Shuffle and other things, and I'll watch them, and I'm like, God, how does that happen? How does this collective, democratic, mass idea of, of, of people liking things get to a point where it lifts that boat up? And it's rare. It's almost kind of like winning the lottery, so to speak. People don't experience that. But you've experienced consistently what does that feel like? What was the first viral video that happened for you? And what was that day like when you realized, oh, my God, what the hell is going on? Um, yeah, we did some driving thing, and it was on the news. Um, I was in college, and uh, I, I walked. But it wasn't really viral. It was, like, niche viral within the circle, within, like, drivers. And um, I remember walking downstairs in my house. I think I was maybe, like, 21 and my parents had on um, New York One, and our video was there. And I'm like, "Wow, that's our that's our video. Uh, that's that's really cool." And I, I, my parents didn't really understand it at the time. And then the like, uh, I think a year later, we released our biggest one, where we took my friend. We I my friend Brett. Um, when I met him, I'm like, is this guy famous? He sounds like someone famous. And, I, and he wasn't famous. He was not. And I, and I said to him, what if we gave you fake bodyguards, fake paparazzi, fake publicist, fake assistant? We walked you through Times Square. And we made that video together as an experiment, see what happened. And everyone thought he was an A-list celebrity. And I took my friends from film school to film it. And um, the video went super, super viral, super viral. And, um, I, like it was a video about being a fake celebrity, but then we were kind of celebrities because I was getting, I was in the video too. I was getting recognized when I walked down the street. I had friends from high school and college being like, Oh my God, I saw your video. It's so crazy. I went to some club one time. The door guy recognized me and we went on, we went on all these TV shows 
And it's a whirlwind. It's a crazy, crazy whirlwind. And, um, and it's really fun and it's really exhausting. And you take it, you completely take it for granted until it's over. Uh, you, but like in the moment, you're just, you're just trying to stay afloat and you completely take it for granted. And, um, I think I, w- I was thinking about a previous project in 2018, our, our game in crypto, which did really well. And I was 28 at the time. And now when I look back on that, I'm like, man, I can't believe how well that, that did. But I was pretty blase about it at the time. And, uh, so, so to answer your question, how does it feel in the moment? You're kind of going with the flow in the moment. And then afterwards, you were like, you, you're like, I can't believe that happened and you won't stop talking about it. But here's the crazy thing. Um, if you, if you're comparing yourself to like your projects, you're only as great as your most recent success. Um, and, uh, then you just want more. And so I'm pretty Zen too. I'm pretty stoic and meditate every day, but, um, you, yeah, it's, it's exciting. It's, it's really exciting. And, um, I think now it's happened enough where I can actually like think in the moment and make better use of it. Whereas like when it first, the first few times that it happened, I was just this like dumb kid. I'm going with the flow. Wow. Yeah. Now I'm getting recognized. Sure. Of course, this is what life is like. Uh, so uh, yeah, I, I, th- I don't know. I, I hope that's a decent answer <laughs> to the question. It is it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm curious, everyone has a perception of you, your family, your friends, your business associates, clients, but ultimately you live your life. You have a perception of you. Who do you think you are? I had this, uh, I had this thought when, um, when I saw the Roman Forum and the Colosseum for the first time. And that was um, about a month ago now. And... Uh, I saw these places in the Pantheon as well. It was all within two hours, all in the middle of the night. And I had just left the dinner. It was late, and I wanted to see Rome. I hadn't seen it before. And I walked around, and all of these mega global tourist attractions were empty because it was the middle of the night. And so there I was with these objects of antiquity from thousands and thousands of years ago, a civilization that lay at my feet, thousands of years ago and was here and this city has seen countless generations of of despair and hope and triumph and dreams and um and stories and here's how i felt and i this is kind of what i think i am i felt like a transient speck in history and that's what I think I am. I'm just a transient speck in history. And I think even the greatest individuals of our day, uh, they are probably that too. The human civilization has existed for so many tens of thousands of years. Hundreds, I think. And um, and history, history actually has a pretty poor memory. And um, so... I guess I'm, I'm trying to do what feels good to me while also trying to make people's lives around me better. And I'm, I'm someone who wants to, I guess, grow the collective consciousness, um, even though eventually it will forget itself. 
I love that answer. Edward, hey, if anyone wants to know more about you, what you do, get involved with anything related to your world, where's the best place for them to go? Yeah, please reach out. I love talking to people. Um, on Twitter, I'm at Edward underscore Sturm. And uh, that's a pretty good place to reach me. If, uh, if my TikTok experiment is, is still going on, then um, I, you can find me at Edward in space. Edward in space, all one word on TikTok. Um, but Twitter is a great place to message me. And our project is called Commit Club, commitclub.co, where you incentivize daily habits and challenges and goals. Well, cool, man. Hey, enjoy Rome. Uh, send my best. And if you have the chance, I think I did it, but maybe I didn't. Toss some, like, errant loose coin in the Trevi Fountain for me because I want to get that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> great. I, I really should do that. But, yeah, Edward, man, it's great. I love your story. It's wonderful. And, you know, enjoy the Sistine Chapel. Uh, yeah. What, what a magical place, man. Yeah, thank you so much for this. This was a great, a great conversation. Thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe Domino, where we cover the world of art, literature, and music around the globe. If you want to hear more interviews, visit the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino channel on YouTube. Thanks again for listening, and until next time. Mm-hmm.